0: Okay, I'm gonna jump, jump in. Jump there's, in.
1: There's four <sighs> hours to cover. I think we
0: could do it in eight. I think.
1: <laughs> we should just record in real time. <laughs> do a four-hour
0: podcast. Why don't we just record the audio of the movie and just play that? And just
1: put it on there.
0: I'm like, that's our breakdown. It's the movie itself. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of The Award Goes To with Patrick and Lauren, where we celebrate the films that have won Best Picture throughout the years and discuss the history of filmmaking one Oscar winner at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick Pizzalarusso, and with me is...
1: Lauren Olipra. As always. Hey, hey. It's
0: always. Lauren. With How's
1: me, as always, is...
0: I, sh- I think... Do I? It's I don't me. say that. I should start you saying, don't. as always.
1: Well, I feel like we've done this enough now that you can kind of take that risk.
0: Um, or of course, that just might jinx it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good. The next one's
0: just going to be me. And now to you, Lauren, and back to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice folly. Yeah, thanks. So, Patrick. Yeah. How was your four hours?
0: <laughs> long.
1: It was a long four hours. I feel like they're all that time is just gone. It's gone with the wind. I
0: understand why they built in an intermission. I had to build in several of my own.
1: <laughs> I just plowed through. I'll have to oh. say the overture, that I knew I could, I could skip through. So that at least cut a little bit of time off of the uh, the runtime for me. Skim, skim, skim. Music, music, music. <laughs> High speed it. scrubbing. <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, if you uh, haven't figured out by the title or us rambling about the length of the movie, on this episode... The award goes to Gone with the Wind.
1: Which. <laughs> I mean, I
0: feel like. I mean, the music is great, but I feel like even the music is like, sit down. It's going to be a long one.
1: They're trying Settle to calm in.
0: everybody down. <laughs> Open up your sugar free candy now.
1: It's like an auditory Valium.
0: <sighs> yeah, and just like. It just calms you, and you're settled in for four hours. Here we go. Hours.
1: I wonder if the people back then going to see the movie knew that it was going to be four hours. They must have known. They had to have known. Yeah, they had word to
0: have known. on the street says it's four hours long.
1: <laughs> I mean, what else were they going to do with their time? Honestly,
0: nothing. Well, and some of them were waiting in line for hours to see it. So that's, this is a day. That's a they, people whammy. invested a day. Double
1: whammy. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they had restrooms.
0: I think that's what the intermission was for.
1: Actually, I think that was the over- what the overture was for. So oh. they couldn't actually go to the bathroom before we started.
0: Last call in the bathroom. Because <laughs>
1: they waited so long in line. Makes sense. <laughs> it all makes sense now.
0: Makes sense. Uh, well, Gone with the Wind won Best Picture in 1940 for the 1939 season. All. Actually, three hours and 58 minutes of it. Thank you very much, Lauren. Uh, It it won a ton of Oscars. William Cameron Menzies won an honorary award for the use of color, and it is a beautiful movie.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I'm not ever going to argue that. It's a beautiful movie.
1: Technicolor.
0: Ooh, coming at you live in Technicolor. (laughs) Technicolor. Vivian Lee won for Best Actress, Hattie McDaniel won for Best Supporting Actress, Victor Fleming won for Best Director, little controversy there, we'll get to that. Sidney Howard won for Best Screenplay, and he was the first uh, to be awarded an Oscar posthumously because he passed away before the Oscars. Ernest Holler and Ray uh, Renahan won for Best Cinematography, Lyle R. Wheeler one for Best Art Direction. Hal C. Kern and James E. Newcomb one for Best Editing. R.D. Musgrave one for Pioneering the Use of Coordinating Equipment on the production. So That's total
1: fantastic. I really wish I could have witnessed that.
0: <laughs> I, well, and I guess this must be the first film where they were like, all right, well, you get that angle, and I'll get this angle, and I'll get this angle. Ready? Go. <laughs> and, I mean, like, all, so many scenes were shot like that, specifically, I think, The Burning of Atlanta. Because they had one shot to do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that one of the first things that they shot as well? It
0: was. Yeah. It was one of the very first things that they shot, and they pretty much were like, if we don't get this right, the movie is screwed. <laughs> and they got it right. I guess it
1: was smart to do that first, because if yeah. it didn't go well, they could just be, well, we tried. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: It's it's now just a documentary on, on fires.
1: <laughs> or how not to burn down a building. Yeah. <laughs> It was really smart, too, because uh, they had
0: a ton of leftover sets that they had to get rid of. Is that and, true? Yeah. And they're like, well, just burn some of those old sets. And there you go. <laughs> they got Atlanta fantastic. burning. <laughs> One of the most famous sets in it is the old King Kong set. And it's the big giant gates that they make to keep God uh, King Kong out. And that's, that's a stand-in for Atlanta burning.
1: Oh, that's really cool. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, I've if got a couple of gonna be like a movie in the
1: future where they use the Jurassic Park gates. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have these giant Jurassic
0: Park gates lying around.
1: <laughs> the burning of Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> this, you know, what's interesting
0: with this movie is Wizard of Oz came out the same time, and this beat out Wizard of Oz. It uh, did. I think Wizard of Oz took two Oscars. And they were just for uh, audio and, and music. And this won 10 of them. And so I'm like, uh, I mean, this is me between the two movies. I feel like
1: Wizard of Oz is a better movie. Uh, it's certainly a shorter movie.
0: It's a shorter movie. I feel like it's a little more interesting. There's a lot more going on. But... It's
1: probably, well, they were breaking a lot of ground. They did a lot of a lot of breakthrough things with this movie. I understand mm. why. It swept... Although, yeah, it would be very close. Wizard of Oz yeah. is amazing.
0: It is amazing. And it's also, also in think,
1: Technicolor. And
0: I think more people have seen Wizard of Oz than have seen Gone with the Wind.
1: I think more people have slept through Gone with the Wind than have, <laughs> than have slept through Wizard of Oz. <laughs>
0: well, thanks for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. That's our episode. <laughs> uh, this movie was also starring Vivian Lee, Clark Gable, Leslie Howard, Hattie McDaniel, Olivia de Havilland produced by MGM and uh directed by three people actually. <laughs> yeah,
1: kind of like two of them taking turns. Yeah. They're like uh, tag team in it.
0: You're you're up uh exactly. George Cooper started it and he was not happy with the direction it was going and uh I think MGM wanted it out wanted him out.
1: Well, I guess David o. Selznick had a part to play. Yeah, he was the producer. He was a really really well-known man and he was so stressed out about making this movie that he was popping prescription pills during it and kind of spazzing out on everyone being very very particular which kind of slowed up the works and also frazzled the actors a bit so he
0: started the film victor fleming took over for him and then he too suffered some exhaustion and took i think two months off during filming, and Sam Wood took over for, for those two months. And then, once Victor Fleming was well rested, he came back in and <laughs> he got the faves directing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was all fainted on a chaise lounge.
0: I, was, I mean, I guess it was stressful for them. He need, yeah. I,
1: I need a break. It's a lot of break. Work. Yeah. Quick
0: synopsis for a movie that is not quick a manipulative woman and a roguish man conduct a turbulent romance during the American Civil War and Reconstruction period. It takes place over 12 years. And then in parentheses, and it feels like it.
1: <laughs> I would love if that was on IMDb.
0: <laughs> I, I, I mean, there's so many places that I want to start with this. But but because the synopsis talks about their relationship, I want to say what relationship? I don't think that they are the world's greatest love story. And it seems like that's what people take away.
1: I think that is the common away. thread. Of the movie, it's the overarching uh, carry-through mm-hmm. is the push and pull between the two of them. I, I can see that. Like
0: I think he's into her, but she, from the beginning, is in love with somebody else.
1: It's just, it's masochistic. The whole thing. <sighs> it's, uh, I, I do like that. Uh, Rhett Butler and Scarlett are essentially two halves of a whole. They're both scoundrels in their yes. own way. Yes, and I'll totally kind of, agree with that. Yeah, they're meant for each other in that respect. But it's you're banging your head against the wall because it's clear <laughs> that Rhett Butler is in love with her and he's pursuing her. And she is convinced she's in love with Ashley, which Ashley. I think is oh, born Ashley. Ashley, which I think was born just out of jealousy. and just I think so. It's just and shallow. also
0: Ashley is married... To his cousin,
1: well, getting married in the beginning, yeah, it, or getting married. It, there was a moment in just towards P.S. the beginning where they talk about how Ashley's family—they are a generation, like they're a family who just marries within the family. They all marry their cousins. Real nice, deep gene <laughs> pool going there. <laughs> way, uh, to, way
0: to perpetuate certain stereotypes about the self.
1: <laughs> God, sorry outsiders, we marry our own.
0: <laughs> We've got none for you. No room at the inn.
1: <laughs> but yeah. She Scarlet becomes obsessed with Ashley right from the beginning when she finds out that Ashley is going to propose to his cousin, and before that she seemed fine, like she didn't really care. But it was really more of an ego thing for her. But it's an ego trip that lasts twelve years. It's the the whole movie. Yeah, like at some point, I feel like if you were that vain and egotistical, you would just give up and move on to something better. I well, the
0: whole movie. I feel like I'm watching and waiting for Rhett Butler to say goodbye. And it takes him 12 years to finally utter the famous last line, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn, and walk out the door. And I went, oh, <laughs> where was this three hours ago?
1: <laughs> it would have worked out better for him because that was really what hooked her.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: She wants, I mean, moral of the story, she wants something she can't have. You just see this absolutely. over and over again.
0: Absolutely. And then I think once she realized she absolutely cannot have it, she doesn't then decide oh well I've got Rhett cool I got him she goes no what I really love is my home <laughs>
1: Tara was a, I think a coping mechanism or I something. need to go
0: save that instead uh, of this man who keeps following me around
1: <laughs> he treated her really nice too except for the rapey stuff you can cut that out if you want
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's no he I mean it's in there yeah he did. He really.
1: He wanted to. You could see it when they had a. I know we're jumping around all over the place. But when Rhett and Scarlett have a child together, you can see that that's exactly how he wanted to treat Scarlett from the beginning. He wanted to treat her like a little girl that he could pamper and dress up and play with and be this little ball of love. But what gets me is right from the beginning, as he's watching her flit around the barbecue. And flirt with all the men to try to make Ashley jealous. He sees her for what she is. He knows who she is. Mm-hmm. It's made clear because he even is there, passed out on the couch or eavesdropping on the couch when <laughs> she professes her love for Ashley and it's unrequited. He already knows that she's into Ashley. So where is the big surprise when he pursues her and she doesn't want him? Like Th- that's the thing about shame this movie. on him because. She made it clear from the beginning and she was avoiding him and she married other men. She couldn't have made it more clear to him that mm-hmm. she didn't want him. And then he's all but hurt.
0: This is the thing about this movie that people tout its brilliance as a story and all of this stuff. I'm like, I don't think you were paying attention. And maybe because it's four hours, you possibly just like blazed <laughs> over just, at some point.
1: Or maybe they were just but, had micro micro naps. With-
0: <laughs> maybe that's, okay, wait, where are we now? Atlanta? Okay, I can skip this part. The, I, I don't understand their the relationship. I get, I get the whole idea of wanting something you can't have and, and things along like that. But you're right. He knew from the beginning and and granted, I will say this, she is she is not like the other women in her world and in mm-hmm. in Rhett Butler's world. She's got fire and fight in her, and I think that's also one of the things about Scarlet. That is why she's able to persevere. She's got this fire the passion inside passion for her. life.
1: They even mention it. Yeah. Even Ashley's like, "You got a love for life. I'm just over here snoozing, <laughs>
0: pretty much." <laughs> yeah, I think Rhett Butler likes that, and that's mm-hmm. what he's drawn to. But at the end of the day, they're not right for each other, and she's just not. She's just not. I'm sorry, dude. She's just not into you. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, and towards the end. But it's interesting when she finally does figure out that she loves him. It's really when he starts to get. It's that moment where he gets drunk. And he, like, kind of physically abuses her. Abuses her, her. yeah. That was when you saw a switch because then she started to... Oh, she wakes up the next morning after he carries her up the stairs in the iconic way to take her up to bed and ravish her. She wakes up the next morning and she's all smiles. Like, that's really when she falls in love with him, in my opinion. And then he treats her poorly because he's already, like, spoiled... Like, they just go back and forth. It's just this... It's just this misconnection thing that keeps happening. One of them will be nice and then the other one will be mean and, you know, back and forth. It's a struggle.
0: It's frustrating to watch it. It is. And then she just finally, and the thing is, I don't think she snaps and is finally like, I don't like you. Like, she really never did. She starts to fall for him. But I think the thing that makes her switch would be um, the death of their their daughter. And I think that's what starts to also kind of change her and, and realize that she doesn't she needs something else now, and he's not filling the void of of her daughter's death. Which, okay, mm, oh, this movie. Yet again, by the way, another film that won Best Picture and a small child is killed because of a horse accident.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. And but, another Clark Gable picture where he grumbled and didn't want to do the part. Didn't want to do it.
0: Two years. It took them two years to get him to sign on. This is like
1: the third movie that won Best Picture that Clark Gable's like I don't want to do this or I don't want to wear those costumes every single time.
0: Every single one. Hilarious. I had to shave. Well, you didn't have to shave this time. But the scene when the when the daughter dies, they're both watching her run around on this horse, and they're like, "No, please don't do that. No, be careful. Don't <laughs> jump over the. Tank. It's gonna be. Oh my God, she died. <laughs> we didn't see that coming. <laughs> it's really not something to laugh at. But it's like they just don't even get up. They're like, eh, she'll be fine. She's just <laughs> like a five-year-old doing hurdles with a horse. What could go wrong?
1: What could go wrong?
0: I said before, this is a beautiful movie. This was the first film that was a color film to win Best Picture. Technicolor.
1: Technicolor. And I guess in the beginning, they they intended on it being black and white. But Selznick wanted to take the risk and have it be in Technicolor, which is, I mean, you know, the the iconic monologue that she has i'll never go hungry again <laughs> with the sunset i mean you you needed the color you, you the
0: need you need the color yeah absolutely need the color um you can also see uh, the color is so vibrant because some of it is filmed on sound stages and that's one of the moments that's filmed on a sound stage and they can control the color and the lighting and everything so perfect that that's why it's such an iconic moment with like it's it's like dusk in the background i think the sun is starting to set it's just a beautiful scene and mm-hmm. it's so rich in color and it's it's filmed on a sound that particular one is filmed on a soundstage i didn't know that and and it's just so pretty to watch and you mm-hmm. see the color and everything pops everything is it's just beautiful and i always thought that they colorized it
1: yeah and I now thought so that too. we watch
0: it i went oh no this is there you go i mean i'm sure that they've
1: Enhanced over the enhanced years. enhanced it over the years yeah.
0: exactly, but it was it was shot in color and that's how people saw it on the big screen all over the world.
1: Mm-hmm. And they were just coming out of the the Great Depression too, so I guess I understand why they would want to sit for four hours and be entertained, I guess. <laughs> get away from I, I their guess. world. But it's also it was also like a fairy tale sort of thing for the people of the Great Depression.
0: Yes, um, o- overcoming hardships and and she, I guess you could. You could look at that and see that well, she had everything and lost it all, much like people in the Great Depression, and then built it back up. Mm-hmm. Um, she she lost a lot throughout the movie, and it really is her movie.
1: I it's really her story. love that she, even though she's got a lot of flaws, she's a boss.
0: She is. She gets. She she's is. like she manipulates everybody oh my and God, takes she's over.
1: Amazing. Like she, becomes she was a, doing things that she's
0: a printer. She's an editor. The a lumber. I mean,
1: Company owner, lumber company. Like basically making good money off Mm -hmm. of something that well, I know she used her husband to do that, but she still ran that house. That was it's it was really cool to see. Unfortunately wasn't reflected in the wage disparity of the time. I'll just have to mention Clark Gable, like the difference between the male and female actors, and then what's more, the 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 black actors, they got even less. But to give you uh, an example of the uh, wage disparity, Clark Gable was uh, 71 days on set. He received $125,000 for the movie. Vivian Lee was 125 days on set. She got $25,000.
0: Oh, God. Like, she is the lead character. She's
1: the lead.
0: They launched a nationwide hunt and they saw, I think it was 1,400,
1: 1400. women. Mm-hmm. And to, it, was, to, it was part looking for the right Scarlet because the novel was such a such a hit that people mm-hmm. were like, oh, Scarlet has to, you know, you have to choose the right person to be Scarlet. But it was also a promotional gimmick Oh, absolutely. As well. yeah. yeah. And also a lot of beauty queens from small hometowns were like, I'm I'm going to be a scarlet. But when it comes down to it, you have to have a trained actor to Mm -hmm. carry a movie like this. You can't have a novice. You can't have somebody who's never acted before. That's ridiculous.
0: And she was, I don't want to say she was an unknown, but she was definitely an unknown to American audiences because she's an English actress.
1: That's right. And the Daughters of the Confederacy were up in arms. (sighs) Is it up in arms or up at arms? Hmm. Up in arms?
0: I mean, their arms were up. You just know that. <laughs> their
1: arms were up <laughs> in protest against a a British actress. Um But in the end, they had to relent because Selznick's like, no, I you don't have any you sway have no over this. You, this. This is who I'm casting and get over it. And their reaction was, well, at least she's not a Yankee. And her getting cast was kind of on the edge because she had to do a Southern Bell accent. And... Her doing it in the audition process, she tended to sound a little bit more Yankee than she did Southern. So she, mm. she was teetering there for a bit. She, it wasn't a certain thing.
0: Interesting, though. Yeah. I do know Selznick also sold it because Scarlett in the in the movie and in the book, she's of French and Irish parents. Those are her parents. And Scarlett O'Hara, Scarlett O'Hara, Vivian Lee's parents are also French and Irish. So he was like, hey.
1: it's the same thing. Hey. (laughs) She won't have to act. Yeah, well.
0: Or, I mean, I don't think he said that.
1: I mean, talking about acting, though, what a switch, because all of the movies that we've seen so far, they had a very over-the-top style, which, understandable for the time, Mm -hmm. that was how, that was the style. This was the first time I was actually impressed with the acting skills. everybody. Yes.
0: Everybody. There were some choices that I went, I, I questioned, only because of depictions of certain types of people, but the acting still was amazing Mm -hmm. across the board. Mm -hmm. Everything about the... I I get why this won awards. I get why it is one of the greatest movies of all time. And I honestly, I believe that people should see this movie and kind of just, I mean, not study it, but but if you're in the film industry, this should be something that you watch because this was made in 1939. Mm -hmm. And it... It's something that you, could, like quality-wise, yeah, would be coming it out now. Like the this film is,
1: industry. It's, it's it's iconic. And did um, you know it's like Titanic heard... of their time? Yeah, exactly. Speaking of Titanic, did you know that it's the highest grossing movie of all time? And adjusted for inflation, I mean, this is over Avengers Endgame, Titanic, Avatar,
0: Avatar, all yeah. the
1: movies adjusted for inflation, it would be bringing in three point seven billion dollars. Amazing. And this was at the end of the Great Depression, so people didn't Amazing. have the money to throw around. That's how much, yeah, of a huge impact this this movie made.
0: And some of these theaters that people went to go see it in, one of the things Selznick did is he sent some of the actors to go do like little performances before the movie. One of them being Hattie McDaniel, and she was able to do some of her own songs because she was she wanted to be before acting. She was a singer, um, like blue singer. And she could sing in front of it. Uh, before it. She would also do little skits from the movie by playing every single character.
1: Oh, I didn't know so that. As That's a amazing. To,
0: it's, it's amazing. Um, and
1: Do they have it, any footage it, of this? Because I would love to see it.
0: I could not find any footage of uh. it. Um, and she would do all of the characters in just a couple minute sec- scene from the movie. And then they would show the movie. So some of those engagements cost more money than just the movie. Wow. so it raked in a little bit more because of like hey we got a star from the movie um and this was before she won the award too so it definitely made a lot of money mm-hmm. one of my biggest issues with it though i mean I, I think i have a lot but one of them is this is fiction and i think people watch this and think that's how the south was that's uh, Ooh, like a when, real life
1: depiction of what it yeah, was yeah
0: like. Like when we say Southern pride, that's what we're talking about. And it is that this is absolute fiction.
1: Well, from what I understand, Selznick, the producer, uh, he had to walk a very delicate line because he had African-American and black people on one side being like, you better be careful of Mm -hmm. how you're depicting this. And on the other side, you had the Daughters of the Confederacy and the Ku Klux Klan. Yep. And, you know, all the shades of gray in between. So... This was also right before, this is the ramping up of um, of the time of Hitler. And so Selznick was quoted in basically saying that, you know, being Jewish, he he could identify with the fact that being misrepresented on film is a travesty. But he also had to be conscious of what really happened back then, you know, like, yeah. and and the book. So he really had to walk the line, I guess, in the original script, the N-word was used. He mm-hmm. had that removed. Unfortunately... They kept in some some derogatory terms, and the actors, the uh, the black actors who were cast, were they they were on delicate ground too. They were they were very aware that they it was on them to represent in the best way they could.
0: Well, so, and we can speak specifically of Hattie McDaniel, and I'm sure that tons of people have spoken about this, but taking a role like this you would think great look I, I, I've taken this role and she felt this way people can see me there's representation now this there's this huge film and and I'm in this film and I'm she's a pretty major part throughout mm-hmm. and she's like and and this will be great because white people will see me black people will see me and it's representation of seeing a person of color on on film. well white people saw her as this silly happy, Mammy characters, what she was, who is happy to just stay in the role that she was when she was a slave. And so it perpetuated the stereotype of the, quote unquote, good slave who doesn't want to leave and, and loves the family and all that stuff. And so white people were like, no, look, they, they, she loves it there. This mm-hmm. is great. And then the black community saw it for what it was, which is, no, you're making us look really bad. We like that you've taken this and you're getting a job but this makes us look even worse. You're not helping.
1: I know that she had somewhat of control over her character and that she wanted to show that she was like a mother figure. She did her best with what she was given. But yeah, I mean, I feel like it's just such a sensitive thing. No matter what you do, it's Mm -hmm. going to be taken in different ways. Like, there is no winning.
0: Especially in that time where we still have Jim Crow laws. When this film premiered in Atlanta none of the black cast could go to the premiere because of horrible laws that they had there Mm -hmm. blacks and whites could not be in the same building together so crazy Um, to his credit clark gable was going to boycott the premiere and not go and hattie mcdaniel actually supposedly talked him down and said no you you go go to it you have to go this is important go from
1: what i understand they were good friends they were tight tight buddies they
0: be- from this, they became really good friends.
1: Uh, and Clark Gable was on, even, <laughs> even though he had a lot of bad characteristics, at the very least, he he had a heart when it came to people of color. Even on set, there was segregation and discrimination. Uh, during some of the bigger scenes, they brought in porta-potties, and they had porta-potties for people of color <sighs> and porta-potties for, for white people. And there was a, a, a specific person a, who was an extra and he was trying to get all of the, the the black actors to come together to say something about it. And a lot of them were afraid to say anything because they wanted the job. They could be replaced. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how Hollywood is able to dominate because we're all desperate for that job and we don't want to, you know, ruffle the feathers. Ruffle yeah, exactly. So he, because he couldn't get them to rally, he went to Clark Gable. And he showed Clark Gable and Clark Gable's like, "Uh, well, I'm going to pull my name off of this movie if this – doesn't isn't remedied wonderful so that's at least a good thing a a mark in the corner of Clark Gable
0: well done Clark well done Mr. Gable yes oh you see he is a good guy aside from some of his other
1: somewhat
0: somewhat yeah I mean at least you know his heart was in the right place with some things it's just interesting that he's helping in that sense but he's also making a movie that is so rooted in perpetuating some racist stereotypes Mm -hmm. and and showcasing and romanticizing Antebellum South and Reconstruction South. I mean, the movie, I'm going to read this. The movie opens with um, this title card crawl, and I think it, it's, it basically lets you know what you're in store for with the sentiments towards slavery and racism and things like that. So this is what we first see after the initial titles, and it says... There was a land of cavaliers and cotton fields called the Old South. Here in this pretty world, gallantry took its last bow. Here was the last ever to be seen of knights and their ladies' fair, of master and slave. Look for it only in books, for it is no more than a dream remembered, a civilization gone with the wind. and. I mean, that's lovely flowery language. Mm -hmm. It's pretty little bit of prose, but it tells you right away where Margaret Mitchell, which we didn't mention yet, but she's the author of the the novel Gone with the Wind, that's where her beliefs were rooted. And she's basically saying, we can only remember the good times in a dream now. Yeah. Because someone took them away from us. They stole the good times.
1: And... I can understand that they're trying to push it as a fairy tale because of it being coming out of the of the Great Depression. People wanted to see something that was you know princesses and princes and you know fluffy things and all that stuff, but yeah that <laughs> I agree with you that sentiment in the beginning is it's, it's cringeworthy rough. it's very cringeworthy It's yeah. been
0: a long time since I've seen this movie and and watching it again, I'm like I don't remember this. At all, yeah. This, that actually, little crawl.
1: Yeah, actually, uh I hadn't. I haven't seen, and I'm sure you too. But I hadn't seen Gone with the Wind in a really long time, and yeah. I'm not so sure that I've seen it in its full entirety. <laughs> 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 but I had to for, watch it for this, and I'll have to say, like, it was. I it didn't lose my attention. I was. Yeah, same I, here. I, I seeing it as an adult, I definitely was like, oh, okay, I understood why. It was. It won all of the awards, and it was, you know, as acclaimed as it was. Um, it makes, yeah, it makes sense. It was definitely a different experience to see it as a as a grown person.
0: I remember seeing this um, as a kid, and by kid, I, it could have been high school, it could have been middle school. My grandfather was a big proponent of making us watch old movies, and this was one that we had to sit down and watch. They also had in my grandparents' house. I remember they had. Do you remember commemorative plates?
1: Yes. <laughs> they
0: have the Rhett Butler scarlet plate of him with his white shirt open and like about to go in for a kiss. They had that commemorative plate somewhere hanging up. <laughs> is it worth so, something? I, who knows Was it, it worth is the
1: investment? <laughs>
0: oh, they should have just eaten off of it. But it's been so long since mm-hmm. I saw it. So I don't remember a lot. I, just re- I re- mainly only remember the very beginning yeah. where Ashley and his brother is they're courting and, and courting scarlet and she's eating it up cuz the guys like her and that's pretty much all that i remember after that um as a kid
1: does it as seeing it as an adult versus your impression of it as a kid what what did you get this time around
0: it somehow got longer
1: <laughs> i think because i knew how long it was going to be I, I think it was okay you know sometimes if yeah. you have that expectation like oh this is going to be a long one you sometimes you're okay
0: it's it's a much better movie than i thought it mm-hmm. was Mm-hmm. There's a lot more in there, and they're really trying to, you know, kind of like Cimarron. Cimarron showed or did a movie about um, the Oklahoma Territory and how it grew up from just stake your your land, and it and around this family, this whole city grew up to. I don't want to say modern day Oklahoma, but Oklahoma in like the, the '30s. So we're starting to we see. And I don't want to say the South because it really is pretty much Georgia-based and Atlanta-based. But we we see the history of Atlanta in that little pocket of time right after the Civil War and Reconstruction and people trying to now, okay, how do we get on with our lives and how do we move forward? It's not an accurate depiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, a big takeaway I had with this was Scarlett's dad was – the landowner of terra obviously and did not look kindly on slaves or eventually the freed slaves he says something like you 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 can't let these people or something like something derogatory you can't give them any leeway because they'll walk all over you and she says something that is is one of the only things in the movie that i think is Progressiveness and, and change, and you can see that she's changing. She goes, "I won't ask anybody in my household to do something that I'm not willing to do," because she's basically on her hands and knees uh, gardening. Uh, I think this leads up to that scene as God is my witness. I'll never go hungry again, mm-hmm. where she's like covered in dirt and she's got this carrot or something. <laughs> I forget <laughs> what it is she's got, but she vows that like whatever it takes, I will make sure that I survive. Um, and and I love that sentiment of she's changed. Whether or not she sees people differently, she at least will treat them a little bit more on equal footing. Almost. Well,
1: until until the, she becomes the lumber lumber company owner. <laughs> then, then all she, of that's out the then, window? <laughs> yeah, that goes out the window because, yeah, she wants to give them, like, nothing. Nothing. Her employees, she wants to just, yeah, she becomes... What about
0: you? So so I know it's been a long time since you saw it as well. So are, do, are you seeing it with a different eye? Or are there different takeaways now than when you vaguely think, remember seeing it before
1: yeah I think it is what I, I mentioned before it's just what I remember the, were those iconic you know the, the monologues and the frankly my dear I don't give a damn or whatever frankly Scarlet. Uh, that's it yeah <laughs> it's just those iconic images that flash and I just I don't think that I had I don't know the focus to <laughs> for four mm-hmm. hours when I was younger to like sit through the whole thing and really understand about the Civil War and about the relationship between Rhett and Scarlet, like, all of those intricacies, I I clearly did not take in. So mm. seeing it as an adult, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. No, I see that. I, I do think the relationship and the struggles and the yo-yoing back and forth is actually very interesting.
0: Oh, it is. I agree. You know,
1: it kept me engaged for sure. And I'm like, just leave his, you know, leave his ass. Just leave her ass. You know, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. You're done. Like, you're done. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go find Ashley.
1: Oh, he's right there, <laughs> married
0: to his cousin. Okay. Also,
1: Ashley is not that big a catch.
0: <sighs> also, he's can not we just Clark talk about Gable. the fact Clark that Clark
1: Gable was hot. Ashley was like, Meh.
0: She, and she rebukes Clark Gable. She can't have Ashley, so she just marries some random guy at the beginning that she she. Finds, oh, to make
1: him to make Ashley jealous,
0: and then he like dies right it away. Was his in the brother? War. Was it his
1: brother? Yeah.
0: Oh, I forget who it was.
1: But then the second time she married, it was for money. Well, she's an, he an opportunist. Was doing well. Right, she's absolutely well, an she's, She didn't care. She said in her monologue, "She'll do whatever it takes to not go hungry again."
0: I've got—I don't know if it's questions or not. I think this movie could have done a better job at depicting, I guess, wartime South. And I think it—it it takes a long time to finally go. Oh, there are some horrors of war, because right before Atlanta, the the, the whole Atlanta burning in that that section of the movie. They're dancing, and they're at a cotillion, and they're at a benefit for the Civil War and the cause, and they're having fun. And Rhett Butler is in Paris at one point. <laughs> and I'm like, why is he in Paris during the war? And there's no real mention of people actually dying until we – it's like at a train yard or something. and there's Oh, when the lists come out. The lists out. It was come after out. Gettysburg. It was the list oh, of Oh, that's what it was. After
1: Gettysburg, Yes
0: um and then they they pan out and it's just this field with bodies laying there um, and it's a ton of extras a ton of dummies to just fill it out it's kind of like the the well of souls in Raiders of the Lost Ark where some of those are real snakes and some of those are what? rubber snakes
1: you just ruined that scene for me patrick yeah, those I were did. all real snakes yes in they, they my were opinion. all real
0: snakes all of them <laughs> uh, yeah so they weren't all actors but it, it just seemed like it just went on and on and on of all oh, these yeah. bodies and finally i went okay you you're getting there you're you're not quite hitting the target but at least we see that there are some consequences to going to war
1: right and it makes sense though because we're really seeing this through scarlet's eyes
0: that's true she
1: wouldn't be privy to the horrors like we did see like she she witnesses an amputation She walks out on the street right after that and sees all of the bodies of people. So we are seeing it as she sees it. She's still seeing it from a soft perspective because she's soft. She does get harder at at points, but really even at her hardest, even as things were real hard for her, they weren't that hard. Not as hard as for some other people.
0: She had it really easy. Well, she's privileged. She's absolutely privileged. And even in a time when she has nothing the freed slaves from her household and we're talking about like mammy port port um, and, prissy. and prissy, prissy yeah they're still with her and they're still running around doing things for her so she still has a little bit of power again like that's a terrible depiction but she's got this support system but she's still like oh my life is terrible oh mm-hmm. it's and i'm like you have so much
1: mm-hmm. right now even in comparison you have no
0: yeah. idea yeah your your life is not terrible
1: stop I, I thought it was interesting. I want to bring this up, and I, I didn't take enough time to really look into it, but weren't the Irish, like, discriminated against? Like, it's interesting See, that this family would be Irish because they were lesser than at the time as well.
0: They were, and I don't know if it was during that time or if it was, at like, the golden age of immigration during the uh, during the 1800s, like— I think maybe that time because this is this is right after the Civil War. So it's a little bit different.
1: Hmm.
0: I don't know when people suddenly went, oh, no, Irish need not apply because it's yeah. Scarlet O'Hara. The,
1: the Irish had their own land and had had it for a while, like generations. They were yeah. wealthy. I just th- I just thought it was an interesting choice to make that family Irish. Did that did that cross your mind? It yeah. was
0: something that I was like, "This is weird," and I never noticed it before. And I went, "Oh, Tara is an Irish term, and it's Scarlet <laughs> O'Hara. O'Hara, and all of these things." Yeah. But it's okay for some reason, and maybe yeah. it's just okay because they have money.
1: Maybe, but there still was like even within the the wealthy society, there was levels of class because they were they were playing with that too. Um, well, there's also
0: like the older the money, the more respected you are, and I right. think that they that family has. Probably been here for generations,
1: yeah. Um, clearly, clearly, you
0: know, and building up the land, so they're slightly more, I don't know, respected than some other families. But that's a really interesting point.
1: Mm-hmm. They're
0: they're most because obviously.
1: It, Irish. Uh, it was one of my favorite things that Mammy was. Uh, the things that she would say were always tickled me. But like she would, she was always trying to rail against the white trash. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, don't you don't you associate with that white trash? <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I, I have a lot of issues
0: with the movie because of its depictions, because people have taken it so seriously, but as an actor approaching a script or seeing a film, I absolutely see why Vivian Lee took this and was willing to do this movie. I think there's other aspects of she wasn't a big star yet, and this is going to catapult her into, into stardom, and it's also like, oh, it's a job, I'm going to take the job, but Mm-hmm. But Scarlett goes on one hell of a journey during this and Vivian Lee's amazing in it. Absolutely so amazing She's in She's never this weak
1: movie. acting technique wise. She was strong, like so strong throughout. So strong. Like, she deserved the the award for sure.
0: And and I mean it's so well deserved. Um there's there's something that you mentioned before that I forgot to to talk about and I kind of want to bring that back up again but you talked about her accent and that they brought mm-hmm. in vocal coaches to to teach how to speak actual, like a Southern dialect. One of the terrible things that they did is they brought in someone to teach a Black, and I'm using air quotes right now, Southern dialect. So when you watch this and you listen, one, to how all of the, the Black actors are written and then how they deliver their lines, they were told this is how Black people spoke in this region, and they were being told by a white woman who was supposedly- Oh is that, that right? Yeah. It's really bad. And this is another case of um, the dialogue is written in such a way that that they look foolish or they look um, less, less intelligent. intelligent. Yeah. I was trying to find yeah. a better way to put that. Uh, less intelligent. Yeah. yeah. So, that, I mean, there's a lot of issues with this movie when it comes to race and social issues. Um, But looking at it from the point of view, like a technical point of view in the world of filmmaking, it's a really pretty movie.
1: It is. It is. It was a masterpiece.
0: Yeah, I would say. I I do think that, I mean, if you are a movie fan or if you're studying to be an actor or you want to go to film school, I think that this should be included because of everything that they accomplished with this movie. And you should look at it with with a more technical eye.
1: Yeah, there were was, was some good things and some bad things. A lot of good things, a lot of bad things. I know that um, Selznick did make some changes in that uh, when Scarlet is attacked, I think, from what I understand in the book, it's a person of color.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He changed it to a white person for the movie. And then also, when all the guys, Clark Gable and Ashley and all them are going to go to air quote a political meeting, you know how they're oh, that's going to be going that's supposed to be a Klan meeting, right? It's supposed to be, yeah. yeah so instead of, a, like a Ku Klux Klan meeting, which I don't think that was their intention to go to. I, I'm not really sure what the intent was there, but I know that political meeting was used in place of a mm-hmm. Klan meeting.
0: That scene really is. They talk about how, I mean, it, some of the dialogue could be ripped out of, uh, conversations today in people's homes, talking about left versus right, or even north Ooh. versus south. Like you've Ooh. got some of these mm-hmm. south soldiers, southern soldiers who are basically saying, "Well, oh, we could kick the northerners' asses because they don't know how to fight." And blah 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 blah. And that's what's happening in that meeting. And Rhett and I is, love
1: that Clark Gable is just like, eh. yeah,
0: he's like, are you eh. sure? I'm gonna go. You guys don't know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna go to Paris. (laughs) And you know what?
0: During this movie, I, with his character, I was never really sure what side he was on because it's like he's fighting for the South, but he also was looking at them going, You're idiots.
1: I think it's just like Scarlett, it's not a side. He's on his side.
0: Yeah. Oh, I agree.
1: It's always just whatever's the best for him. That's a really and good point. With Scarlet, it's whatever's the best for her.
0: Which is why they are a good pair, but then at the end of the day, are not a good pair.
1: Yeah. If you got two people who only care about themselves, <laughs> how is there going to be a relationship? There's fund? no
0: relationship.
1: <laughs> a couple of fun facts. Fun facts. Fun facts. Fun 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 facts. We'll find it. Ding. we'll we'll find it. It's there somewhere. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> Now, I don't know how much of this is true, but on some of my research, I did find that the author, Margaret Mitchell, it took her a decade to write that book. Oh. And she didn't tell anybody that she was doing it. When she sent it to publishers, that was when she let the cat out of the bag, and somebody near and dear to her was upset. How dare she? Oh, wait. And so she was actually trying to get the book back, and the publisher was like, no, this is good stuff. (laughs) Uh, we can make money. So they you, didn't. They didn't got it.
0: Oh, that's pretty interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, the movie rights were acquired for $50,000, which is another reason why Selznick was popping those pills like, this doesn't work out. <laughs> I'm out. Ooh. That's a lot of money just for the rights. Mm-hmm. Just for the rights. Uh, and here's a fun fact that I'm not so positive that this is true, but I thought it was hilarious that uh, Margaret Mitchell wanted Groucho Marx to play. Rhett Butler. She wanted the comedian to play him.
0: Okay, clearly she's off her rocker. I mean, I would have <laughs> loved to see. Him. I
1: can kind of understand that. I mean, the thing is, Clark Gable—he's got the looks, the suaveness. Like he's kind of the carry, like a Cary mm-hmm. Grant, you know, before Cary Grant. You gotta have that humor, the swagger, but you also have to have the good looks. So, I, if this is true, I I kind of understand it because you've got somebody, Groucho Marx. He had a swagger. He wasn't good looking. But actually, if like, you had ever seen him
0: without? makeup and all of that
1: was he good looking they
0: all look very similar and they all look they're, huh. they're good looking men
1: well maybe you should put that up on instagram so people can see what like. because the... was it
0: zeppo zeppo was the fourth brother who just wanted to do straight um, films <laughs> yeah. he didn't want to do any comedy and he was like the leading man he was always the straight man to their their comedy and finally right. he was like i'm That's done right. with this comedy thing um yeah but we always see him with that we think of him with that giant mustache, with which throws off, and
1: always doing the funny, walk and the glasses, and, yeah, yeah. But interesting. I can understand it because because Rhett needed to have that sort of humor about him. He needed mm. to be different than everybody else. Now Clark Gable, I think, was the right choice in the end. But I think it would be would have been interesting to see very interesting Groucho Marks as, as, as Rhett Butler. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I just pictured <laughs> Groucho as Rhett. like trying to carry her up the
1: stairs. (laughs) I picture him with the cigar, and he's like, frankly, Scarlett, I don't give a damn.
0: That's it right there. It's like, frankly, Scarlett, (laughs) I don't give a damn. the duck
1: falls down. (laughs) The duck on, like, strings falls down next to him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, One thing that we didn't talk about, and we'll bring that up right now, which I think is common knowledge, Hattie McDaniel won um, Best Supporting Actress at the 1940 Academy Awards. Rightly so. She's amazing in this movie. She
1: was amazing. She was the first person of color to win an award.
0: But unfortunately, because of the times, she wasn't allowed to be present at the ceremony. And Selznick basically pitched a fit and said she has to be there. Also... The results were kind of leaked beforehand. Ooh. So the Academy was like, uh, I guess we have to have a table for her because she's going to get an award. So she was in the back of the room in a table with her agent and I think her partner at the time. She she went up, she accepted her award, and then she went back to the table and and basically was ignored for the rest of the night and leading up to that.
1: And none of the other actors of color were allowed to attend. None
0: of the color, uh, actors of color were allowed to attend. She couldn't even sit with the main cast. She had to be segregated Ridiculous to just like this table up against the wall in the back of the room.
1: Yeah. She was the first to win and she was the only one for twenty four years until Sydney Portier.
0: <sighs> twenty four yeah, years. Twenty four
1: years later. Yeah. That's when the next one happened. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It speaks volumes to her talent too, like it does. against all odds. She's still shown through.
0: She did. I mean, she does. When you watch it, she does an amazing job, and she she does. There was I um, love her. when they were casting. They they basically said there's an undeniable chemistry between Vivian Lee and Hattie McDaniel, and mm. and and just based on this chemistry reading, we have to cast both of them in these parts because they're so good together. That's right. And so, and you can see that they they work so well together, so incredibly mm-hmm. well together.
1: So, Patrick, we're at that point. We are
0: at that point, We're at that point
1: of the podcast where I ask you, out of all the lines Mm -hmm. in the four hours (laughs) of the, or sorry, three hours and 58 minutes of this movie, was there a line in particular that you found to give you much more joy than the other lines? Well,
0: fiddly-dee, I just don't know. (laughs) The thing is, because the movie is so iconic and so old and also is so widespread, we have a ton of iconic lines from it. But a line that I've never heard before that I've really, really enjoyed, and I had to go back and make sure that I had it right, and then look it up to be like, is that a term? Um, basically, it is uh, like a duck on a June bug, and it's basically like, like a
1: duck on a June like bug. Like a duck on
0: a June bug.
1: I don't remember that line. Yeah,
0: and it's basically like you know, if you like somebody or whatever, like, well, he's on her like a duck on a June bug.
1: Oh, you know, and like just going
0: at it. Like, okay, yeah. yeah. I enjoyed that. I mean, I have a whole bunch, but like that I think was my my top. Yeah.
1: I had a couple too. One that like, <laughs> one that really tickled me was uh, after the, the war is over and they're alone in the house and Scarlet is kind of, become took taking up the mantle for her father who lost his mind. There is a Yankee soldier that finds his way into oh, the yeah. house and she's yeah, she's on the staircase hiding a gun behind her back and he comes up and he's like, What you hiding there? And um
0: nothing. Nothing she shoots
1: him, which is an awesome moment. She shoots him. And then Melanie comes up and she's like You killed him. You killed him and she goes, Well, I guess I've done murder <laughs>
0: I'll cross that off the list.
1: <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. I guess I've done murder. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: I love it. Now, I know that you just from talking to you beforehand, Patrick, you had a real hard time coming <sighs> up with a cocktail to drink. I did. And I hope it's like a yard glass, you know, those <laughs> yards of beer. I hope it's a yard glass to last you through the whole movie, <laughs> whatever it is that you chose. But what was it you finally settled uh, on?
0: So I finally settled on a peach mint julep.
1: Oh, that's Because I was like,
0: well, mint julep, that's good for the South. But peach and peaches is, is Atlanta and Georgia. And it's also a good symbol of the South. So a peach mint julep, which is with peach whiskey. So if you have peach whiskey, you just add some bitters and mint leaves. You don't need any simple syrup or anything because the, the peach whiskey is pretty, pretty sweet. So all a, right. a peach mint julep. Uh,
1: that was which a, that's you can winner. just sip you're, out on your
0: veranda as you watch the, the <laughs> sunset over Tara sipping your yeah. julep.
1: I mean, you're not off base because that was my first thought was a mint julep. But then I was like, that's Kentucky. So I was like, Meh. right? But then I was thinking peach, Georgia peach. Well, I settled on what what is called a Georgia peach. Oh. It's not it's not a mint julep though, but they apparently they serve it at the Cheesecake Factory.
0: <laughs> well, they serve everything at the Cheesecake, Cheesecake Factory. Factory.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've got some good stuff. I can't deny that. But a Georgia peach has peach vodka, peach schnapps, lemon juice, simple syrup, fresh uh, fresh peach slices, grenadine, and you can garnish it with a mint, so we're kind of the same.
0: Same ballpark yeah
1: but yours is a little bit more minty and more southern yeah it just felt a, no yours too I like you have mean, a southern drawl yours is called you a sip on that <laughs>
0: yours is called the georgia peach <laughs> i mean i think these are great <laughs> drinks lauren yes, I, like, I like i think
1: the, that's kind of the first time that ours have coincided i was in, really in afraid
0: way. that if i just chose a mint julep you were that's what oh, you were gonna get and i'm like i would have too i'm so I screwed i don't have. know what to choose i <laughs>
1: So it was really your concern over what I would choose is what yeah. stopped you from making a decision exactly and
0: dear listener, I we have an influence over you. we don't discuss uh, the movies or the drinks or anything beforehand, and so at some point I think we try to sometimes <laughs> we're like
1: we'll get done Patrick always watches before me, but I'll get done watching uh-huh. and then we're, I'm like, okay I finished it and Patrick's like, Patrick and I look at each other and we're just like, nope save it nope, save it don't save it't don't talk
0: don't say it." Well, that about wraps it up for Lamar. Oh,
1: no, we've got three hours oh. and 58 more minutes to go on this podcast. All right, okay. so buckle up, everyone. Here we go. Da, na, da, so,
0: the movie starts. Da, na, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Remember to rate, subscribe, leave a review, follow us on Instagram at the award goes to podcast. And this episode pretty much brings our first official season to a close, we Woo-hoo! did it!
1: We did it! Wah, 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 We've covered wah.
0: the first decade, so the 30s, uh, ending in 1940, and, and a few years in the 20s when the Oscars first started. So we did like the first 13 or so years of movie his- making in history. And uh, our next episode, we're going to do just like a quick little wrap-up episode of our thoughts of these first uh, first couple of movies. And then after that, we're preparing for season two season two
1: season two I'm, hope we don't get canceled I hope
0: not you know what I'm going to give you a little spoiler <laughs> we'll leave this on a cliffhanger it starts in
1: 1941 <laughs> <gasps> dun, dun, dun. I mean I guess
0: technically 1940 because that's when the movies were made right that's not really a cliffhanger
1: no that was really well so join us
0: next time <sighs> as we wrap
1: things up dun, dun, <laughs> Da dun, dun, dun. Wow. I'll never do a podcast again